Abandoned to Mother, the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello, listeners. Before we get into today's show, I wanted to have a little chat with you all. I started this community in the peak of my postpartum period, hoping that I could help other mums feel confident on their journey into motherhood. And it's something that I am truly, truly passionate about. I would love to be able to do this full time so I can make it even bigger and better for you all, but I can only do that with your love and support. So it would mean the world to me if you could like and share this podcast with a friend or family member follow me on instagram facebook or tiktok or give my podcast a five-star review to help it get out there and if you're in the market for birth preparation or postpartum products jump onto the website www.thematedtomotherjourney.com and treat yourself to one of the beautiful packs that i have created especially for mums to be or brand new mums these packs will also make the perfect baby shower gift for a friend so you can grab your special discount code which is pod 10 pod 10 and now let's get into the show hello and welcome to the maiden to mother journey i'm kendall your podcast host and today we're speaking with josie josie how are you going good how are you I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on. You're a mum of four, so you've got your hands very full. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. (laughs) Of course. Can you start off by introducing yourself, telling us a bit about yourself, your family, where you live, what you do? Yep. Um, So hello, I'm Josie. um, I'm originally from Germany, so you will hear a little bit of an accent and sometimes I say things a bit in a funny way. (laughs) Just blame that on my Weaving German. Um, so I've got, as Kendall said, I've got like four amazing kids. Um, they're now nine and my twins are eight. And then I've got a four-year-old. Um, I've got two girls and two boys. So my oldest, she's, her name's Emily, she's nine. And then the twins are boy and a girl, Chuda and Naomi. And then Johnny is my last one, my last. Um, and we live in Brisbane. Um, just we, you know, we're just doing life at the moment. We, we came out of um, during Corona, we packed up in our caravan and traveled around, um, Queensland for two years. And we just kind of settled back in the last six months in Brisbane. Um, we've been homeschooling for the last two years, but we're just actually merging into mainstream schooling again, which is really exciting. So they're starting next term, um, which, uh, gives me a bit more time to focus, um, on myself and my business. So I'm working at the moment as a doula, a birth doula and postpartum doula, um and yeah just you know supporting women and their families amazing now we're going to start off by your journey from maiden to mother so that was with emily yeah. can you tell us a bit about that journey was she planned yeah no she wasn't <laughs> so this is like okay there's a lot and you know just as a just to be upfront like I've never had fertility challenges and I'm aware that you know some of your listeners may you know have had that and so I, I do I'm quite aware that um you know this uh, sometimes it's a bit hard when I tell my stories because there's like yeah I just fell pregnant and you know I've had like four kids and none of them none of actually those pregnancies were planned so mm. um but 
I understand that I'm extremely blessed with that. Um, um, but so, yeah, my first one, so I was, um, so we got married quite young. So I got married when I was 22 um, and I fell pregnant when I was 23 um, and quite young. And, you know, um, we just kind of was this birthed a moment. Oh, we, I think we should have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, okay. And then, uh, well, you know, four weeks later, I had a positive pregnancy test. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it was literally no time like. To think about it. <laughs> oh, no, there was no time. There was not even trying, you know, there's <laughs> just this nothingness of like just being like, okay. Um, so, so it was just this birthed a moment. Um, hey, maybe we should have a baby and we're like okay and then you know I was literally pregnant that next you know I had a missed period um and I was very very sleepy but we had just come actually we had we were in Germany visiting my family and you know we just came home and uh, to Australia and I was like oh I'm just probably jet lag but my jet lag just never finished you know my husband was mm. up and running and I was so tired and then I was like overdue with my period and I was like oh maybe I should do a pregnancy test um, and I was so just, you know, peed on it and it was like positive. And, and so I told my husband, he like gave me a high five. Like, was, <laughs> we were so, oh my goodness, we were so like not even just like, we didn't know what to do. He's like, oh, high five, you know, it worked. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was so random. And, and quite quickly, I was actually then getting like quite morning sick. So within, you know, a few days, I started vomiting. Um, and not being able to hold anything down you know I went to the GP did all the things and blood tests and whatnot you do and she gave me kind of I think some stuff to try to I think it was Maxillon or something tried to stop you vomiting but mm. it didn't work like nothing worked and I was just so sick so my husband lovingly um we had this you know cleaning bucket uh and so he wrote down it's gonna be worth it on in the end <laughs> Oh, so that's so this, sweet. Yeah, and it was like this bucket was just next to my bed, like you know, twenty four seven. It's like it's gonna be all like I was just hugging this bucket. I'm like, it's all gonna be worth it in the end. Oh, you poor um, thing. How the, how long did your sickness last? Uh till around eighteen weeks. Yeah, yeah. They say um, get through that first trimester, but you know, it definitely yeah. extends beyond that sometimes. It was so hard. Like there was like the way, and I, I don't, I, I mean, no one likes vomiting, right? But it was just mm. like relentless and it was 24-7. It was not like, oh, you know, just make sure you eat your crackers before you get up and then you won't vomit. No, it was like mm. any, everything. I was just vomiting. It was just in constant nausea. And there was, it was just how it was, you know? Yeah. Oh, you poor thing. During, and were you guys in Brisbane at this time? Oh, actually, yes. Uh, on the Gold Coast, actually. Yeah. And um, what model of care did you choose? Yeah, so I being, you know, really not having any idea. And actually, there was only my third year in being in Australia. Um, so that's also, I guess, a factor to consider that I was, you know, I've grown up in Germany. And in Germany, we have actually met every free led care most of the time. But I didn't back then, I didn't know that there was something like an MGP program, you know, through the hospitals where you could, like, no one told me. And I mm. had no idea. And so then I asked my mother-in-law and she's like, well, you just go to the GP, you know. And so that's all I knew. So I, I, I and thankfully, I had a really great female GP. Like, she was great. She was lovely. Um, and we just kind of went from there, you know, did all the routine I guess scans and blood tests and she's like where do you want to birth so we were back then on the Gold Coast and I could choose whether or not I wanted to birth just over the border in Tweed Heads or in the main Gold Coast 
hospital. Um, and funny enough, I chose the tweet, the, the little country hospital in Tweed. Um, yeah. And there was kind of, you know, I just did my thing. Like I was 22, I was pregnant, you know, and I was like, okay, that's just what I do. I do my regular check checkups with the GP and yeah, that's it. Mm, so yeah, you were just like birth, just birthing through the public hospital. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. So that was just like public hospital. Um, so GP shared care, that just means you, I think I had like one booking in visit with the hospital at like 20 something weeks. Mm. But then I just saw my GP otherwise throughout. Yeah. And so, um, well, take us through your birth story then. Take us through like the starting signs of labour. Yeah. So um, <laughs> so it was funny because from like 30 something weeks onwards, we were like, um, <laughs> like just from the GP, she kind of sometimes felt the baby on all this. And then she's like, oh, I think we have a breech baby. And so then I was like referred to the hospital and we had a few more scans and it was like, I had like three or four scans in like from 30 weeks on it. And every time baby was breached. Um, and then they had me um, see a obstetrician at 36 weeks. And she was actually like the only obstetrician that was pr- trained in breech births, vaginal births in at that hospital. And she's like, yeah, of course we can do a breech birth. Like you can do that if you want to. Um but I'm just not going to be here over your due date. So they might not let you. And I'm like, okay, so what What? What do I do then? And she's like, well, we can just book you in for an elective CESAR. And I said yes to that, which, um, oh, hang on, before that, actually they did try to manually turn her. So they did the um, external cephalic version, I believe it's called, at yes. 36 weeks. Um, and that failed um, in saying that. I was pondering, you know, about it. And I literally had no idea what they were doing. Like when I, I just said to my husband, oh, I have to go to the hospital tomorrow because they're trying to turn the baby. But being like, you know, my English back then, I believe was actually not that great. And I really didn't understand exactly what they were doing. And my husband had no idea either, but he didn't even come with me to the hospital. Like, you know, now looking back, I'm like, ECV has all sorts of risks and it's quite an intense procedure where they, you know, you get some drugs to relax you and then they like turn, you know, put the hands kind of on your belly, try to push and pull and whatnot and try to, you know, disengage the baby from, you know, the bum out of the pelvis and then turn. And and I, I was there all by myself and it was actually so painful that I just started crying and sobbing and I was so upset and I didn't know exactly what was going on. And it was really quite you know, it was, I was like, that's just the worst thing ever. And I was quite, and they're like, well, it didn't work. So now you have to have a C-section. And I was like, okay, yeah. well, that's just then how it is. Um, and so, but, you know, in saying that, like if, if that obstetrician would have been in the country over my due date, which was Christmas, you know, over Christmas time, um, I could have potentially, you know, trialed a vaginal breech birth, but there was just mm. then off the cards. And being 23, um, and completely naive and just not knowing at all my options. And and they're like, well, you don't have any options. I just said yes to everything because I was like, oh, well, some women have to have C-sections, you know, that's just how it is. Um, yeah. And then I was booked in for C-section on the 18th of December. So just, you know, a few days before Christmas. <laughs> and how, like, obviously you, you've mentioned, like, you were 23. Looking back now, you realise that, you know, there, there were other options. How were you feeling about having a C-section? Yeah, so I was, so back then, 
I was quite fine with it. Now yeah. I'm like, well, actually, you know, that really ne- wasn't necessary. Um, mm. But it's a bit hard because I think if you do have a breech baby and if you do want to have a vaginal breech birth, you really need to be educated and you really need to have a good support system um, mm-hmm. around you. So, so a, a care provider that is trained in breech birth, preferably, but also like someone like a doula or someone or, you, you know, someone to advocate for you. Um, and I must say that I don't think I had that trust in my body like you know when I was 23 years old and neither had my husband like you know if anything would have gone wrong it would have been straight away oh, of course we do a c-section now like there's there was mm. just no, or, or even the slightest bit of oh this looks a bit you know I don't know uh, you know any slightest bit of concern we would have just listened to whatever the doctor would have said because yeah. we were so naive and didn't know anything um and so I I was quite okay with that you know I I wouldn't say I have trauma around having a c-section um with my first yeah yeah so how was your c-section yeah so um yeah it was was you know it was cool like in the you know we woke up in the morning we're like it's go time yeah you know a little picture of like a last belly picture you know as I was like walking out the front door um um and we were just really excited we were just you know, just first time parents, you know, we're like, oh my goodness, this is the day we're going to meet our baby. Um, mm. And we didn't actually know that she was a girl. So it was a surprise tender. Um, and we were just so, just so excited. Um, and then we, you know, went to the hospital and did all the prep, whatever they do, you know, all those things. Um, and we were just waiting for our turn. They had a few, you know, C-sections booked in that day and we were just waiting for our turn. Um, and so then it was, um, they wheeled me into theatre and my husband was actually allowed to be there while they were placing the spinal, which now I know in some hospitals husbands have to wait outside until you're yeah. fully, um, you know, um, numb. Um, but back then, and I don't know why, but at that particular time my husband was in the room with me um, and I didn't have too much, any concerns really around the spinal. Um it was just, you know, explained to me what was happening. I was like, yeah, that's okay, you know. Um, I was probably a bit needle-phobic back then, but I was like, oh, it's fine, you know, I just I just have to go, go through that. Um, unfortunately, I did have a complication with my spinal. So what, what happened was that, and they don't actually know exactly what happened, but I'll just explain it as, as it happened. So they placed a needle. They were trying to kind of find the right spot, and I had started feeling every now and then a bit of tingling, Mm. Um, like an electric, you know, shock sensation. But then they just placed it somewhere else. But then as they were injecting the um, an uh, anesthetic, so suddenly it was as if an compl- like a crazy electric shock went through my right leg and it jumped out. So my my right leg, like without me controlling it, just kind of um, I was sitting and it just kind of went straight and 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 jumped away from me. Basically, my my um um my leg and it was kind of just this crazy like reaction that I had and so what the the dangerous part of that was that I had actually still a needle in my back and I was moving 
Um, and so my husband said he saw the face of Denise, it is like the shock and horror on his face. And then my husband <laughs> went completely white. And I saw his face. He went completely white and he just kind of slumped to the ground and nearly <laughs> passed out. <laughs> and it's like that's the life. I'm pretty sure that's why they ban, you know, the husband yeah. to be in there. <laughs> exactly for that reason. Um, and it was just this, yeah, it was this crazy, crazy thing where and I was like I was like what what was it like I was freaking out I was like what just happened they're like we hit an earth you know basically and it was just like it was terrifying (laughs) and and I was like I don't know what to do now and they're like well so we have two options we either put you under um or we um we try to place an epidural Mm. and I was like okay um, so what, you know, explain to me what, what, what's the difference now between the epidural and the spinal. And they explained to me that it goes into a different spot and it's like something that stayed like the, tube, you know, they put a little, um, catheter, well, this like little tubey thing in, and that's like the, the, and anesthetic flows in con- continuously. And I was like, well, let's try it because I really want to avoid to go under. And they did yeah. that and it was successful. So I didn't have any reactions to that or any of that. And then, you know, from there, it was thankfully, thankful. Like not, even now, like talking about it, I get a bit like a bit shaky because it was it was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, from then on, it was like just smooth sailing, you know, like your standard C-section, you know, you um, cut me open, they lowered the, you know, the, the trape and they put, you know, lifted the baby up and we saw there was a girl um, and it was like she came straight on me like skin skin straight away um and there was no concerns like there's you know anything went really well after that um I remember I was reacting quite a bit to the drugs in a positive way like I was high as a kite um (laughs) I was having a great time in there honestly I was like is this um so I was they were like stitching me up and I was like talking and just like oh this is just so great you know um and they were like, you know, finishing off and they were wheeling me out of theatre and I was like throwing my hands up in the air and waving to them like, thank you, thank you, everyone. <laughs> that was wonderful. And just like, uh, I was just so, I was dragged up in a very positive way. Um, uh, and yeah, and then, you know, we had our first one. Like that was, that was that. That was my birth. Oh, amazing. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. And how, how was your postpartum period being a first-time mum? Yeah, so so from then, you know, we um, obviously like my goal was to breastfeed. So I had I had joined um, the Australian Breastfeeding Association, um, you know, in my pregnancy, and I think I did like a breastfeeding course with them, and I had the book, and I was like, yeah, I want to breastfeed. You know, that's what you do. That's what my mum always did with you know me and my two sisters, and that's what everyone does. So that's what I do. Um, and it was actually quite challenging as now I know is kind of common knowledge that breastfeeding is not just, oh, you just put your baby on and it just sucks. Um, and it's like, so she had trouble latching for, you know, uh, first one or two days. But thankfully, I, I was staying at the hospital, I think, till day four. So I had I had pretty good support with that, with my, um, you know, there was a lactation consultant that came and see me and the midwives were really helpful. Um, and so we managed to, you know, leave the hospital with a, with breastfeeding. However, they, there was a bit of a drop in birth weight and they recommended that I would supplement feed just like actually with a sippy cup, just a little bit of formula. Um, and so I did that. And then when I got home and I was like, you know, trying to, 
and my milk wasn't coming in. So my milk hadn't come in when I left on day four. And I was kind of like just trying hand expressing. I did a lot of hand expressing. Um, I did a lot of, you know, fenugreek tinctures and lactation teas and lactation cookies and anything under the sun. And my milk only came in on day six. So that was, you know, a bit challenging the early days, um, just trying to get the doctors and hospital off my back because of that drop in birth weight, mm-hmm. um, which was more than they wanted to see. And I had to go back on day seven to the hospital on day 10, and they were still not quite happy with her weight gain. Um, and then, but see, this is me kind of then like doing my research and I was like learning, you know, and I know that demand feeding, the more you put baby on the boob, the more milk you make and the more, you know, and so then I'm like, well, but if I top out with formula, you know, I make her feel full for longer and she doesn't, she just didn't want to breastfeed as much. Mm. Um, so I went, I personally went again, medical advice and I only, I don't recommend you doing that. I recommend that you do your research and, you know, or seek a second opinion. But I was then like on the hotline with the Australian Breastfeeding Association on that 24-7 hotline. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, just keep feeding, just keep feeding, just offer the breast, offer the breast, offer the breast. And I did. And then we finally had like a breakthrough on like day 12 mm-hmm. where um, she was feeding um, consistently on my on my boob and like when we got her re- like weight again on day 14 um they were happy yeah. with whatever you know they were looking for um and so I had stopped that you know formula top-ups and just exclusively breastfed um and but yeah but in saying that my nipples she shredded my nipples it yeah. was awful <laughs> I was like oh my goodness no one told me about that no and one I, can prepare the nipples no, especially, and you know, my mom did warn me. So this is my German mom, you know, bit, bit hippie. So she's like, you need to just lie out in the sun without a brow. And I'm like, what will the neighbors say? <laughs> oh, she's like, you just need to roughen them up with lemon juice. Honestly, this is not medical advice. Do not like lemon juice on your nipples. This is always just random things she threw at me for like apparently roughening up my nipples. Um, uh, so I I didn't do any of it. Maybe I should have. I don't know. Maybe I, <laughs> maybe it would have worked. Um, but yeah, my nipples were up, uh, and they see they were so cracked. And then they had like I had a superficial infection, so I didn't have mastitis, but I had an infection on top, kind of in the skin of my nipples. And I was just like, this is no good. Like this is really not fun. You know, this hurts. Um, and then I saw a lactation consultant um, when my daughter was three weeks old. And she just, you know what? She did a minor adjustment on her latch. Mm. Like this tiny little bit. Oh, her, you know, her upper lip is just a bit curling. Let's tip this out. And immediately there was no pain. Like yeah. it was crazy. Um, and I, I reckon she kind of saved, you know, my breastfeeding journey. Um, with just like, oh, let's put her a bit higher and let's just get this, you know, top upper lip out. And there was, there was that. Um, and it was amazing. However, she didn't caught on that my daughter had a tongue and lip tie, um, which is she to this day, she's now nine and she still has a tongue and lip tie. Um, but I, um, you know, in hindsight now, I think it would have saved us a lot of her being unsettled. Um, you know, she was like screaming. No, actually, she wasn't. I can't say she wasn't screaming that much. She just, she was such a happy baby in such a party social girl, which is like 
I am a little bit. Um, and she just didn't want to go to sleep. Like she just <laughs> thought that sleep was just completely underrated. Um, I mean, overrated, sorry. Um, and um, so she would be, so we would, you know, we would, because we were first time parents and we had a social life. So we would still take her out to like, you know, go out, you know, for dinner with friends and like, you know, visit people and be like 10.30 at night. Oh, she, now like, oh, she's so happy and still awake. I'm like, yeah, she's great. And then when we get home, she just didn't want to sleep. But she also, she wasn't happily lying in her cot or bed or bassinet or whatever we had. It was just like this time she just wanted to be entertained mm. and we did not get any sleep. <laughs> so there's like lots of times my husband, you know, drove up and down the Gold Coast Highway uh, trying like 3 a.m. in the morning trying to get her to sleep Did and mm, only sometimes yeah. and then you know obviously she falls asleep and as soon as you turn off the car guess what she's she awake again, again. <laughs> yeah um and oh, so even throughout the day yeah throughout the day same thing like we were trying to get her to sleep in the cram or something she wouldn't sleep just nothing and I was and again me being just on it and I am I'm not I'm not a routine person myself but, like, knowing what I know now, I'm like, she was just overtired. Like, mm. you know, she needed sleep, that poor thing. Like, <laughs> we were, like, so just, like, whatever. Um, you were just like, first-time parents, that's all. I know, I know. <laughs> we just had no idea. And I'm yeah. like, I wish I would have read some books. <laughs> now, now that you're a seasoned veteran, you can look back with a much clearer clearer like eyes I, I do that myself in my own postpartum period I'm like he was probably just like tired or he's probably just hungrier I wish I did this you know now with the gift of hindsight it's easy to yeah. look back and criticize yourself but you guys were just doing your best <laughs> yeah we were we were trying hard but in, yeah it was just a funny but at the same time we lived like the best life because we lived on the gold coast at the time in mermaid beach and just like a few blocks from the beach you know and I was like in this bliss of being a first-hand mom and you know not like stay-at-home mom as well and just like you know going down to the favorite co my favorite coffee shop in the morning and like mm. walking along the beach and just like it was it was actually a really nice time you know, oh, although we were sleep deprived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so what, when did the twins come along then? Yeah. So, so I, you know, I was again in my naivety and just being like blissful in life. We did the great thing that, you know, when I'm breastfeeding and don't have a period, I can't solve pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and so, which also, this is not true. This is, you can fall pregnant while breastfeeding. <laughs> um, and so, so then, you know, um, we shifted, actually, we had to move away from the Gold Coast to Ipswich because there was when my husband, like where my husband had to change work and that's just where it was. And he did the commune, like Gold Coast to Ipswich, you know, for a few months and we we're like, that's not working. We need to move closer to Ipswich. So we moved there and unfortunately we didn't have any friends or any family in Ipswich. And then, you know, one morning I was like, oh, I'm feeling not that great you know started feeling a bit nauseous and but I didn't have a misperiod well I didn't actually have periods so I, mm. <laughs> I, I was still breastfeeding so there was no you know kind of and I was like oh, I think I still have got a pre pregnancy test somewhere I might just do one because it was very I, I know that sickness you know I know yeah. that feeling of being that nauseous and stuff and and so it was positive oh and then I and was how, like, oh my how many months postpartum were you I think only seven or eight months. Oh, hectic. Yeah. And so I was like, 
Oh, okay. So then I was like, call my husband. I'm like, you need to sit down. <laughs> like, don't fall over. I'm like, I'm pregnant. He's like, ah, oh, okay. I'm sure he would have given me another high five. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was fun, actually excited. He was like, well, that's cool. You know, that's, you know, we've got, you know, two kids close in age and that's, you know, that's not the worst thing. You're like, yeah, okay. Um, Again, you know, it was unplanned. We didn't actually have, like, to be honest, we didn't, we never really talked about, oh, yeah, okay, so, you know, we wait till Emily's like two years old and then we try again. Like, we never really had that conversation. So, so it was kind of like, as we do, like, we kind of go through life as like, as it comes, we just take it, you know, as it comes. Um, but I did like my usual. So I did my, so I went to a GP and, and that GP clinic had actually a device there that they do all their antenatal care through, through a midwife, mm-hmm. which, um, was really great and she did have um visiting rights at the Ipswich hospital so so in an ideal world you know I would have seen her throughout my pregnancy and then she would have been my midwife at the birth um and there was like no issues um and I so the thing is I did not want to have any early scans yeah um so so we're like you know we just did the Doppler every time I saw that midwife and there was a heartbeat and it was fine and and so we had planned to go to home again to Germany. And, and so I was around, um, we thought I was around 18 weeks pregnant then. Um, and so she said, well, before you go to Germany, I'd like you to, we'll do your morphology scan early. Just in, so just so we know that, you know, it's okay and you can fly home. And I was meant to be in Germany for seven weeks um, stay a bit longer than my husband uh, just because I wanted to you know spend time at home uh, and anyhow so we do this morphology scan we were booked in the afternoon um, and in the that the next morning we were flying out to Germany for our holiday and um, we do this morphology scan the sonographer bless her now like uh, honestly I'm not holding a grudge but she like you know puts the thing on she looks at the green and I'm like that looks very strange to me that just kind of looked weird and she's like oh there's two in there I'm just gonna (laughs) check I'm just gonna check with the front desk how much more that costs and then she walks out (laughs) and I'm like and I'm like hyperventilating I was like oh my god oh my god there's two and I'm like starting to swear and to cry and my husband is just like in pure shock we're like what on earth <laughs> and she comes back she's like oh that'll be like you know whatever 108 instead of 100 or something and I just think what on earth <laughs> um, the last thing on my mind right now <laughs> I know well so to be quite honest to me the first reaction was like are they alive um yeah because I don't know it's just this I had just this I guess my mum my mum did miscarry twins when they were 18 weeks um mm-hmm. along and and so for me there was just like I was I was still very young then like I was only like two years old so I don't really remember but I remember her telling me and so for me I guess association was twins yeah. might not make it type thing um and then yeah so she she's like yeah, yeah they're fine they're fine and like that's all the things you know she checks them out and she's like oh we're having a boy and we're having a girl and you know you're we're dating them at like 16 weeks so so we thought I was 18 weeks so they kind of backdated my my estimated due date a bit for uh, you know two weeks um and they were like yeah that's all healthy and and so then I ring my midwife. I'm like, I've got twins, <laughs> and she's like, Oh, oh! And then she's like, Why don't we? Why don't we come in like before you fly out? 
and that morning, you know, before you fly out, and we'll just go over the scans, just to make sure that every everything is good. And 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 we did. So so, and I saw my midwife and and another GP that was at the clinic, and they're like, "Yeah, your scans look fine. Everything's fine. You're fit to fly." Um, which is um, and unfortunately, but it, what it also meant was like that the midwife couldn't continue her mid free of care that model because I was then a considered high risk mm. um and that was the last time I saw that particular midwife um and so we flew to Germany and you know the funny thing was that um at the um at the uh, Brisbane airport where I flew out the immigration lady um was checking our passports and she looks at my husband and then she looks at his, at his picture and she looks at him again and she's like gee you aged a lot <laughs> and, he, and she, he's like well we just found out we had twins like we literally <laughs> we got to have three kids under like you know 16 months away and we were, we were literally just so in shock we didn't sleep that night at all we were just in utter shock um I think like just because of you know like the like the I guess that we would have three kids you know yeah. under like two years old like that's yeah. crazy it is crazy um, I'm and, shocked um, too. <laughs> yeah and and just because we had no idea you know you know usually you do your early scan and they, when they check for the heartbeat or something and you kind of know already, but we just were so, uh, like, just had no idea. Um, and in hindsight, I guess, because I, um, it's a bit tricky to say because some twin mums feel a lot more nauseous, you know, in those their pregnancy than with singletons. But because I was already so sick with my first, there was not really an indicator to me anyway um, mm. that there was twins because I was just as sick as I was the first time. Like, I was just, you know sick again until like 16, 17 weeks until we flew to Germany and, and that was just how it was. So it was kind of a really big surprise, but we just, you know, had then time to celebrate and also kind of debrief with my parents when we're home in Germany and just kind of get used to the idea. And then I actually changed my flight um, to fly home with my husband together and and Emily, my, our first one. Um, so I didn't stay longer in Germany, just because I didn't want to be like by myself, just in case I'm, you know, I was still kind of like treating this pregnancy a lot more. I felt a lot more vulnerable. Mm, yeah, um, fair enough. With that, um, and I and I and I also needed to be back home here in Australia to then sort out my care because then, so I, as I said, I couldn't be under midwifery care anymore, and I had to then go through the public hospital again and to be overseen by an obstetrician. So when we came back from Germany after like three weeks of holidaying, I then went into the hospital to meet my obstetrician. Um, and he was quite amazing, to be honest. Like he was, um, he's like, so you're going to have a VBAC? I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, yes. He's like, of course, you can birth for child. You know, you can, birth, you know, tw- birth twins for child. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice idea, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> and he said, why? And I, and I just had a bit of fear around around uterine rupture and all those things um because we did unfortunately in my hometown in germany we did have a you know tragic event um where mother passed away in childbirth um because of a uterine rupture and my hometown is very small in germany so we all knew her and it was this thing that played on my mind a lot you know um and i guess that was for me an absolute no like why would i do that mm. um not realizing also that you know repeated c-sections have risks and everything has risks really but like yeah. i was just uh, but then my obstetrician said and I, I remember that he's like if you have fear you can't birth um he said you know when you when you're fearful your body just won't open it just won't work um 
And I I love that advice and I think it's very true. Um, and so he said, either you get over your fear and you birth with Charlie or we just book you in for C-section. I'm like, I'm fine with the C-section, you know. Um, but and so my, that's amazing. Yeah. I cannot yeah. believe an obstetrician was suggesting you have a VBAC with twins. Yeah. Like, hell yeah. yes. I love yeah, that Yeah, I know. I know he's amazing. So that's why I was like, he's amazing. And he he is he was the head of obstetrics and he is a professor. And he back then, so that was 2015, um, he co-wrote the, the Queensland VBAC guideline. So he was very like he was an advocate for VBACs. And you know, he's like, Yeah, of course you can. And but I didn't want to. But I was and like, I yeah. still it's amazing I'm that so, the options were presented to you though. I know, I know, <laughs> and I'm so grateful because to this day I remember him and I remember his words about birth, how we shouldn't be fearful. And I and just his trust in me then actually helped me then with my fourth child and my VBAC journey, which we'll get to later. Mm. But yeah, so so I just I, I really appreciated him. He was amazing. Yeah, um, that is incredible. Yeah, and so I just did like um you know, we did our thing. I was quite well. Like I was, you know, I was, I mean, I was going to get, I was getting massive. Like I'm, I felt like a whale, like just a stranded, mm. you know, just a stranded whale on the beach. I was like, <laughs> I can tell like, I, I would just lie down on the lounge room floor and we had like baby gates set up everywhere so that Emily couldn't, you know, go anywhere. And I would just sleep on the lounge room floor and she would just crawl all over me, you know. <laughs> um, and I was still breastfeeding her. So I was feeding her until... I think I was like seven weeks pregnant or something. Um, and no, not seven, sorry, seven months pregnant. So I weaned her um, when she when I was around seven months um, with the twins because it was just getting too much on my body. Mm. Um, and and we just, yeah, I was just kind of going along, you know. Uh, uh, there was no health concerns. My, my twins were breached again, so all my babies seemed to like the breach position um the twins were footling bridge so there was you know another layoff thing and we just had a um a c-section booked in at 38 weeks um and so from like 35 weeks onwards I started feeling just a bit off um I can't really explain it but I just felt just a bit uneasy and things were just getting really hard but then you know all my regular checkups they were all normal and you know considering that I had twins it's normal to feel you know a bit more like struggle like physically you know it feels heavier everything you know and my my legs like my ankles started swelling and it was in the middle um well they were born in April so it was kind of just at the end of summer um but then at uh at like 36 weeks and literally the day we put the car seats in um we I, I just felt really unwell and my husband was away f- for work and my mother-in-law was with me and I was like I, f- I feel I need to get checked out at the hospital um and so we did um and they took my blood pressure and it was high and so they're like oh we need to keep an eye on it we'd like you to stay in for a little bit and they did the CTGs on the twins like just checking that everything was all right and the twins were doing fine like there was no concern around that there was just my high blood pressure and then there was a shift change or there was like a lunch break or something so another midwife came in that I hadn't seen and she's like oh you, you're good to go home and like what do you mean you you know they told me I needed to stay in for a bit longer because of my high blood pressure and then she took it she, she took it again she's like oh it's lower now you're fine to go home I'm like okay and again like I just did what the doctors kind of told me to um or the nurses and I didn't really actually 
listen to my intuition, which I now know we should. And we should always, if a, if a mom says, I feel like something is wrong, we should always listen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next day, um, my husband came home at like nighttime, we had dinner and I went to bed. And then um, just like half an hour later or something, there was like a lot of, like I lost, uh, well, I, my membranes ruptured, um, but there was also a lot of blood. Um, and so it was like 8.30 at night and I called the hospital. I'm like, oh, you know, there's blood everywhere. Like <laughs> she's like, okay, you need to come in. And I'm like, okay. And so um, I presented to the hospital with, I was five centimeters dilated. Mm. Um, there was a foot coming out. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so the the, the obstetrician is like, "Oh, I think I can feel a foot." I'm like, "Yep." Um, but also, um, I had extremely high blood pressure. Um, I had protein in my urine, and I was diagnosed also. So I was diagnosed with preeclampsia, and yeah. I was diagnosed with HELP syndrome on top of that. Um, so HELP syndrome. Never heard the Yeah, I've never heard of HELP syndrome. Yeah, so that's kind of like a rare complication. Um, they don't really know what causes it. Um, but it's um, so H stands for hemolysis, I believe you said, and it's basically uh, red, red uh, blood cells rupturing. So it kind of, it's like this anti, uh, kind of almost like an uh, um, immunity reaction where the body destroys its own red blood cells. Um, and then elevated liver enzymes. Um, so your liver uh, is going through the roof. Um, and then low platelets. So I had an extreme low platelet comes almost to the point where they couldn't do a spinal, but they had to put me under. So it was, I was just above the threshold where it would have been unsafe to do anything but a general anesthetic. Um, and so they were like, we need to get the twins out tonight. So this is then an emergency and it, there's no cure either for preeclampsia or HELP syndrome. Like there's no me- not really medication they can give you. The only way to resolve that is to have the baby born. Um, sometimes you can manage break times a little bit or just observe it. But like with me, there was like my blood pressure was so high that it was becoming really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so within two hours, we had twins. <laughs> oh, what a wild um, I know it was pretty intense. And we were like, you know, it was in the, so they were born at like 11.45 at night. They had to call, it was a Friday and I think they had to call in all the staff members um because with twins you have to have everything double so you have two pediatricians and all this stuff um and they had to call like the anesthetist in and the you know obstetricians and the midwives and all this stuff um and I had thankfully so they did place a spinal and thankfully I didn't have another reaction to that like I didn't have that nerve you know Mm. they didn't hit a nerve this time which was great (laughs) (laughs) but um but in with the so that time and I think it was because I was already unwell I was reacting really negatively to all the drugs they had given me so I was very um almost non-responsive kind of in and out of kind of feeling really delirious so I don't actually remember much um from that c-section at all um and so my twin it was at 36 plus three i think they were born so they were four weeks early um Mm. and they were both 2.2 kilos which is not that bad um you know considering but my twin boy he had to get straight away um had some you know respiratory issues so he was straight away whisked away um, into like special care, I don't know, put into like the incubator thing. Um, and then my twin girl, she was a ride and she, I think she was with me while they, um, stitched me up. But then when I was going into recovery, my husband went with her 
and I was by myself in recovery and I was not doing that well. So they, they really struggled to get my blood pressure down. Um, so I think I was in recovery for five hours, which was quite wow. a long time. Yeah. They, they just couldn't control my blood pressure. Like it, and I was getting really, emo- like I was getting really distressed because I, I was like, I, I was yelling at the poor guy, whoever was in there, the nurse that was in there or the anesthetist or whatever. I'm like, I just need to get to my babies. I need to breastfeed them. Like, I just need to get out of here. Like, I was really, like, you know, almost irrational, just really distressed. And I was like, why, why can I not just, why can't you just, like, let me leave? And they're like, we can't. Your blood pressure is way too high. And, and so they gave me, like, a few different drugs. And finally, after, like, four or five hours, um, I, they wheeled me into the special care nursery so I could, like, look at my son. And then um, they put Naomi, my girl, on me, and then they wheeled me into like my room on the maternity ward. Yeah, and we we planning to breastfeed them both as well. Yeah, I had kind of the idea, but again, like my the twins didn't latch at all. Um, mm. So they um, had to, and yeah, they had to be tube fed for like eight days. Yeah. Um, so they were in special care all up. They were in special care for like. Uh, 12 days and so they were stupid for eight and then we we really I worked really hard to breastfeed them and worked really hard on their latch they they did they did have severe tongue and lip ties um that we got diagnosed straight away from the lactation consultant at the hospital um and so we did lots of sucking um you know practicing sucking with them like with the finger as well as the dummy as a put and putting them on the breast as much as we could I had to use nipple shields um with them both um and we did also like we had that supplement system in place so you know where we, where you have like this little feeding tube that kind of attaches next to the nipple and they suck on the nipple but as well like getting fed as well from from that um through the feeding tube um just so they don't get used to a um to the to the bottle too much um, and so we did all the things that I expressed because, you know, I got discharged on day four, the twins were still in special care. And so then I had to, you know, pump every two hours. So I would uh, get up every two hours, pump, and then, you know, bring the milk in the morning to the hospital. And it was just full, like it was a full-on ride. I did mm. the best I can, like having them on breast milk, but they did quite quickly because of the, you know, in when they're in special care, you just have to do what you have to do, and because they have um, feeding ro- ratios, they have to, you know, whatever how many meals they have to get, mm-hmm. um, and then we had to top them up sometimes with formula. Um, and I did so when they came home with me on day twelve, I was breastfeeding, yes, but also supplementing with formula, um, and we then uh, went and got their tongue and lip ties released. Um, and it made a significant difference with my boy, but not so much with my girl, um, to the point where I had to stop breastfeeding her completely because she just wouldn't latch properly. Mm. And I, I spent hundreds on a lactation consultant. Like, it's not that I didn't try, <laughs> but, but it was just like, it was to the point that I got really distressed already and I was just crying at night why she wouldn't latch and I knew she was hungry and I just couldn't get her to feed. And, and my husband came in and was like, what are you doing to yourself? Mm. and I was like but I just need to breastfeed her and he's like no you don't isn't um, it funny they're all so different like yeah such yeah. A, like each child is so different you can have such a good breastfeeding journey with one and then yeah like struggle with another one yeah was she able and, to take a bottle and everything obviously she was like okay yeah. with the bottle yeah she was yeah 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 
Um, and so that was just like, you know, so then we had like three kids on the 16 months. We just tried to survive. <laughs> yeah. It was, we, um, that's it was just so chaotic. I know. It was like just, and so then, you know, we went through, through, didn't have family, friends around us. Um, thankfully, I was part of a playgroup with Emily and some of those moms from that playgroup, they, you know, dropped off some meals and stuff and um, just tried to help us out. But it was just kind of like I, I, and I love my kids, don't get me wrong, and I'm so grateful for them. But I kind of that first year of, you know, them being born, um, I kind of call it the dark night of my soul because it was mm. so hard. It was just so hard. And, you know, I did all this thing. Like I, I tried to get support and I was part of the multiple birth association and all that, and they did tell us that it was going to get hard. But I didn't realize how much, how hard it was gonna be and just the like my my twin girl Naomi she just screamed she just screamed for six months straight like there's mm-hmm. just and we did all the you know we tried all the osteopath and Cairo and all the things they tell you and we put her in goat's milk formula instead of normal milk and we gave her you know enzyme drops or homopathic whatever belly ache drops and all this like you know you try all the things and nothing yeah. worked and it's like oh my goodness so it was just like screaming so we had my husband had noise noise cancelling headphones on and we had her like screaming on like just carrying her around and she would just scream and scream and scream oh my goodness that must have been so hard with the three of them I couldn't even imagine yeah so I think they had to learn like the other two like my boy and and, like Emily she just had to learn that that she just had to wait you know for a lot she kind of grew up quite quickly just you know, she was beating herself, like, you know, oats in the morning porridge. Like, I would make it for her, but I would just give her the spoon and she would just have to work it out. Like, you yeah. know, just kind of, and, and just, um, yeah, so there was always someone crying usually and it was just really hard. I was quite delirious because I was not sleeping, like hardly any sleep. And so I was some, I would just sit, like as soon as I would sit, even at the dinner table, I would fall asleep. <laughs> it's like I was just so tired and, and and I I was like why was I even driving a car like now thinking back I was like that was dangerous you know driving a car um but I didn't so both of my in-laws like they were all working full-time and I we weren't actually that close to my in-laws back then we have now a, like a, a great relationship but back then it was just different and so I just didn't have any help oh and it my was goodness. really hard it was the the most yeah, the, it was quite honestly just awful. Um, so I think uh, looking back, I would make like sure so like that I had a good support system because you literally cannot like we're not superhumans, you know. No, you just can't do it all. Like how yeah. you know? Yeah. And we were talking about before we jumped on the podcast how you and your husband almost didn't make it through that year. Your marriage. Yeah. 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 So, so it's interesting because when I, when we had a, like a birth education session with the multiple birth association while we were still pregnant with the twins, they did kind of mention that, you know, that we really need to make sure that we look after our, you know, relationship. Um, and I just didn't, I don't know what I thought back then, but I was like, oh yeah, it'll be fine, you know. But yeah, we had really, like, the other thing is that my husband is self-employed. So it's like, you know, there's no option of, yeah, we're taking time off. You know, there was mm. no, if he doesn't work, there's no income. Um, and so it was like this thing where he couldn't take time off and he had to work. So that means, you know, he had to sleep at night. Um, but I was just getting so 
So like, it was just so awful because we were just fighting. We generally don't fight, but we were just so nasty to each other, actually. Like, and me too, like not just, like we were both just at our lowest of lowest. And I remember that I just, I actually went to his mom's place for a week because I just needed a break um with my kid like I took the kids with me and it was not all oh, moving out I was just like I need I just need to take a break like mm. just need to be away for a week um but it was like this thing where I just didn't have any hope for our relationship anymore because I was like this is awful like this is just so hard and it was just purely like sleep deprivation to be honest yeah um and 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 there was financial um pressure like from just having three kids under 16 months like you need that yeah and twins you need double everything like you know mm-hmm. and then having like Na- naomi on special formula they cost like you know 50 dollars a tin like you know, like, yeah. you know like this crazy like all this expensive and there was just like massive financial issues and um and there's just it's just really really hard and we did not have any time to ourselves in hindsight i would have been like you know, making space and finances for like a marriage therapist or counselor and making, you know, having babysitters so we can go on date nights or something like I, anything that, you know, establishes connection. Yeah. But we were so disconnected that I didn't think we would make it. Mm. But we did. We're still together. You did. So how did you get through it? Well, actually, I don't know. Uh, well, no. So it just got, you know what, like, you know, as time goes by, things get better. Like the twins mm-hmm. started growing up and and things kind of settled down and things were just like, you know, we were like, we knew that we wanted to be together. We just had to find ways to make it actually work. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of, you know, tried to reestablish connection and, and just, yeah, take it as it comes. Um, I do think, so... You know, we then moved away from Ipswich again, which was which was definitely necessary because we went back to the Gold Coast and where our friends were and everything that, and that was really important to us. And that was definitely a contributing factor where we had that support system that we could, you know, start to rebuild our life. Basically, that's how it felt like, anyway. Um, yeah, there's nothing like um, testing the marriage than having a kid, but you guys, yeah, no. three kids in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and now comes along your son your fourth child when did he come into the picture yeah so he was born in 2019 so there was um so I um again so with having had you know three kids under 16 months and twins we were so done with baby making yeah. um, and so my husband always wanted to book in a vasectomy but he just didn't quite get there to do it so then there was this one time when, you know, we had a failed contraception, like it was a failed contraception event. So we, uh, you know, did all the things to protect ourselves from falling pregnant again, and it failed. And a consequence of that was that a few weeks later, I felt really nauseous again. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I know that feeling. Um, and it was actually even, again, I I, I, t- I do have generally quite high um, H cg levels um because i usually test positive before i even can test like on the pregnancy thing it says you know whatever day you can test and i tested before that and it was positive because mm-hmm. it's just and i know it in my body too like i just felt you know and then i was so i was crying i was crying i was crying i'm pretty sure we found out on our anniversary in august like 
I was just so upset. I was crying and I was like, I don't want to have another child. Like I was, and sorry if this, you know, is hard for someone to hear that struggles with, you know, fertility, but that's just me. Like that isn't, was my honest raw reaction was I don't want this child. Mm. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. We've just came out of the worst. Like, you know, my, uh, I think the twins were three at the time. Yeah. Three at the time. And Emily was four. And I was like, how like what on earth but but in in saying that i was not prepared to do anything out about it so there was like well i'm gonna have to have this child i'm gonna get you know um but the biggest nerve-wracking thing was waiting for that initial scan like at whatever yeah. whenever to find out how many like, please please just one please just God. one oh my goodness when, <laughs> when they said it's just one i was so relieved i can't even describe it to you <laughs> um because I just don't know if I well I would have you know of course I would have done it and I could have done it somehow but in my head I was no way I was gonna get through another twin pregnancy and so then so I was like okay I've got another child on the way and I was I didn't I was quite angry like I did have all the emotions I was angry I was grieving I was sad I was confused I was like I don't know if I want this child and but at the same time I was gonna go through with it um, and so I was pretty cranky and pretty, you know, sick again the first uh, three months. Um, and I didn't even tell people at the start because I was almost so embarrassed. I was like, not, yeah, well, I guess embarrassed that we couldn't, you know, use contraception properly or something. I don't know. But like this thing, because you do get those comments. Oh, my goodness. Like strangers just walk up to you and be like, don't you know how, you know, how big yeah. I guess I know actually. Thank you. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was just this thing. I was like, oh my goodness. And so when, you know, yeah, we eventually we told family and they, like everyone was so excited. And I was like, I wasn't excited. But in saying that, I also had a dream, you know, a few months earlier that I was pregnant again with a boy. And so when it did happen, it wasn't, I was like, I knew this was coming. Like I had yeah. this thing this almost annoying that you know this was kind of meant to be um and so we I again so I didn't really think like to be quite honest like I just thought I'll probably have another c-section I didn't really think about it too much because I was so caught up with all the emotions of the idea of just having another kid and that I was not even thinking about birth so much but I did um I did to get, I got referred to like my closest hospital then. Um, and we had a, um, antenatal appointment and the midwife was like, you know, you can try for me back after two C-section, like you can do it. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll have a think about it. And so I, I started thinking about it and I'm like, well, actually, you know, it would be good because I, it's going to be hard to recover from another surgery. If yeah. I have four kids. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, and actually kind of, it was funny because the more time passed by after my C-section, I actually developed quite a bit of trauma around that failed spinal, like that the idea of having another needle in my back, although I had no issues with the twins. I was like, I just don't want to have another needle in my back. It was mm-hmm. kind of this like, oh, I don't like that idea at all. And so then um, I had an obstetrician appointment at like 20 weeks. And the obstetrician was like, well, we don't do VBACs after two C-sections here at this hospital. That's not – we. you can have a VBAC after one C-section but not after two. And and she's like, so we're going to do another C-section. I was like, but what if I don't want to? And she's like, well, you, well we're not doing that. And I'm like, and I said, well, I don't want to have another needle in my back. I don't want to have another spinal nor an epidural, so you're going to have to put me on the channel anesthetic. This was literally – I suddenly had this, like, immense fear of, like, a spinal or an epidural. 
And she's like, oh, you know, we don't usually do channel anesthetics. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to have another um, spinal. And, and so it's this back and forth. And I then, I really started thinking it through. And I'm like, I really want to have a VBAC. How am I going to make this happen? And every time I went to the hospital, they then scraped me. So I had midwifery-led care to start. And then they scraped that. They're like, no, you're actually high risk because you had preeclampsia and help syndrome. Uh, we want you to see an obstetrician. And so every time I saw the obstetrician, they're like, you can't have a VBAC, you know, the risks. And then they say, oh, you know, you might have a dead baby or you might die and the mm. risk of uterine rupture like increases by 50% or something like that. Like, right, it's just, it's, it goes from, it basically goes from 0.7% to 1.3%. I'm like, yeah. okay, 1.3% is still, that means that 98.7% of women having a successful, you know, childbirth after two C-sections. Like it's not actually when you think about it. Mm. Um, and so I was kind of starting to get really annoyed with my local hospital and with the care I was receiving. And I was reaching out to a private midwife that I heard was really good. And so she's like, yeah, we're having like a, you know, meet the midwives gathering on this day. Can you come there? And I'm like, yep, I can come. And then they had to postpone it um, because of a birth. And they're like, and I tried to ring them again and they never got back to me. She's like, I'll just come to the next, you know, meetup. I'm like, okay. But by then I was like, you know, around 27 weeks pregnant already. Um, and so I went to this meetup, meetup to meet her and to meet the other midwives there. And it was so, it was a private midwifery clinic and we just really connected. And so I said to her, I, my number one goal is to avoid another C-section, not because I had traumas necessarily, uh, you know, around the fact that I had a C-section. I just wanted to avoid another surgery. And I just liked the idea of having a maternal birth instead. And she said, I don't think your local hospital will be a good place to birth. And we dis like so we discussed whether or not I would be eligible for home birth, but based on kind of the risk factors of like what happened with the twins. And I did have a bit of like post, you know, partum hemorrhage. Um, even though I had a C-section, I still lost a bit of blood. And they're like, look, I don't think we're comfortable with the home birth, but how about we uh, look at other hospitals, like public hospitals in your area, and we'll transfer to there. And so I transferred to a hospital at 30 weeks. Um, that was an hour and 15 minutes away from me. Um, it was still public. So, so my, and the midwife I then started to engage, uh, didn't have any admitting rights. So she couldn't actually be my midwife at the birth, but she could be my best support, like basically like a doula, you know, yeah. like an, an additional support person. So I engaged this midwife from like 28, 29 weeks onwards, um, to do all my antenatal care. So then, you know, instead of having to go to the hospital, it was then an hour and 15 minutes drive away. I would see her for my all my antenatal appointments. Mm. And which which hospital was this? Yeah, so I, I so my the first one I went to like 10 minutes away from my house was Logan Hospital. And then the one that was an hour and 15 was um, Kabulcha, which is on the north Brisbane side, like yeah, northern Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and they have a I have a reputation for being friendly more friendly than others to like v-back women and also breech births mm. um so they they generally have a really good reputation for that and so let's run through your birth story then take us through the first signs of labor yeah so i had you know straightforward pregnancy i am um, i was very healthy this time around which i'm so grateful for because obviously there was this kind of you know 
uh, whether or not I would develop preeclampsia or help syndrome again, but I was, I wasn't. So it, I just went through my thing. I had like probably from 37 onwards, I had, um, a bit of like prodromal labor or Braxton Hicks or whatever. Like I would get just bouts of contractions like every 10 minutes for like a few hours and then they would stop again. Um, it wasn't painful at all though. Like it, it was noticeable, but it was nothing that I was like, Oh no, this is it now. Um, but it was, yeah, it was kind of this in between time where I was like, Oh, maybe this is it, but it's not, but it's not really painful. But I knew my body was doing something. There's this kind of this thing where we were just, um, you know, do, I was doing my thing every single day. Um, and then I had a uh, midwife appointment at around 39 weeks, I think it was. And she was, so it was beautiful because, you know, it was a private midwife. She would come to my home and I had like, you know, she, she always involved the other kids and like taking my blood pressure and listening to baby's heartbeat. And it was all, you know, really sweet. And she was like feeling my belly and she's like, oh, I think. I think he's breech. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, no. You know, I was like, he was head down. Like, he was the only baby that was head down. And so at we at the day, like, she gave me an ultrasound referral. And the day after, I had an ultrasound. And it was confirmed that he turned breech. Um, and that threw a bit, like, you know, that threw me around a bit. Because I was like, so now what? Like, what am I going to do? I, I mean, I could you know, have a vaginal breech birth because I was at this point of time, I was birthing at any cost, like having a vaginal, you know, birth at any cost. Like I was like, there's no way I'm going to book in a C-section now. Mm. Um, so we, she did say, look, we have to let the hospital know because that's like common courtesy. Like we need to let them know. And so the hospital was like, Kabulcha, although they're trained in breech births, they're like, look, yes, breech birth, we're trained, but we're not happy to do that with a V back after two C-sections. And I was like, so what are my options? They're like, well, we would like to offer you an, you know, an easy lead, like the external cephalic version. And I told him, no, <laughs> I mm. said, I'm not doing it. It's like, if he decided to be breached, that's his best position to be in. I'm going to birth him that way. Mm. And then they literally, they called me a few hours after again. And they're like, look, we spoke to our team. We had like a meeting about your case <laughs> and we really <laughs> would like you to reconsider an easy V. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I talked to my midwife and then I talked to my husband. My husband, but my husband has come such a long way in that pregnancy. Like, you know, he was like quite a bit, why wouldn't you just not book in for another C section to like, let's have a home birth? Yeah. He went just from like the one extreme, which was thanks, honestly, thanks to my midwife because she did such an amazing job caring for us and explaining all the things like our birth plan appointment went for like seven hours long because we just talked all the birth things what could go wrong about what would you do in a home birth and all those things and my husband was like oh home birth is actually really safe and you know um and so he was like but he even he was like look I'm supporting you in whatever you want to do but I do feel a bit hesitant around a breach birth and I was like, I was still on the fence. And, and they called, Kabulcha called me again. They're like, look, if you can come in tonight at seven, we're bringing extra staff in to do. We have the best obstetrician that, that has a really successful, you know, success rates in EZV. He's amazing. He's coming in just for you if you want to. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. I felt so conflicted. Like I felt, I can't even describe to you, but I said, and then I said, yes, I said, I, I come in once I've sorted the kids because I had to pick up the kids from school and you know arrange care for them like I was like and they're like yeah whenever you're ready whenever you're ready just come in and so we arrived at like seven o'clock at night and my midwife came with us um and I was just 
but then I felt really like really peaceful about it like I was just like oh it's gonna be okay this is gonna be okay and so so in complete contrast to my first ECB with Emily it was completely pain-free and it was really really gentle like I was just breathing like completely relaxing myself and my body and just really positively like talking to my baby and just like yeah we're turning you know like you know doing kind of this mindfulness thing and just speaking life to the baby and just now we're turning now because there is risk factors with an ECV you know um and I was like I just don't want my birth to be derailed now by something going wrong with an ECV um and so um he turned like he he was just this this beautiful like kind of you could see his head and the obstetrician gently guided his you know body around and then when he was like his head was down and then the obstetrician and me like we there was this clonk sound like it was literally like a I don't know like a key went into a key lock this clonk and you could feel it like the obstetrician could hear it and feel it um, and I was the same and he's like, did you just see that and hear it? I'm like, yes. And he was like, he was kind of engaged, like he engaged himself into my pelvis, like my baby's head. It was quite, like it was actually really beautiful. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and it was a really good, like, thing. Like it was actually really positive. And um, and so then we we did have to stay a bit longer because there was a bit like, you know, on the CTG, there was a bit heart rate variations that they were like, oh, we just want to make sure it's all good. But it was all good. Like we went home um, and so then we had a head down baby again at 39 plus a few days. Um, and so I actually went till 41 weeks. Um, I had an obstetrician appointment that day, but in the morning I had lost my mucus block. Um, and so I called the obstet- like the hospital. I was like, I'm canceling the obstetrician appointment. I've got, you know, I've lost my mucus plug. I'm probably going to be there in 24 hours anyway. Like mm. I'm going to, I can't be pregnant forever type thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, um, uh, and I, I did like, I just chill, like leading up to that, I just chilled at home. I think it was school holidays. So we would just pot around the house and I was just resting. I was, you know, so well, like I slept still like, you know, at night I was still sleeping. I was just doing my thing. I had the older kids like, you know, paint my belly with watercolors and do all these random things, you know, with them, went to Bunnings and then we built a garden bed and like all this just, you know, kind of yeah. nesting in my own type of way. But then like, so I lost my mucus plug on that morning. And so my husband was at work and I was like, look, I think you should probably come home. Like I probably have that, you know, probably going to go into labor. Like actually, like I lost my mucus plug, but there's no contractions yet. So I was like, but still kind of I felt I felt different and I'm like I think you need to come home and so I had like I had a sleep that afternoon and and my hubby was just doing stuff in the shed with my kids I had afternoon tea with my kids and then then I was starting to feel sensations like you know I don't know there was still every maybe 20 or 30 minutes but you know being on my I, I had to like I was sitting on a birth ball doing like the circles like feeling just you know it was shifting things were progressing and things had changed and then at night we had organized the kids to go to my friend's house but we had to drop my car the kit the car with the car seats off because you know three car seats in a car um and so I was driving my husband's ute um to my friend's house and he was driving the family car with the kids (laughs) you know but then I had like every 10 minutes contractions and they were getting longer and stronger and so we dropped off the kids said goodbye I went home had a bath went to bed and at midnight I woke up and I was like, yeah, this is getting, that's definitely now ramping up. And so I had to actually get up, 
you know, do the whole walking around, moving my hips and all that stuff. Um, and then um, at two o'clock, I woke up my husband and I was like, okay, things are actually now really ramping up. And I'm like, we probably should time them. Um, and so then we started timing them, but they were still like every, you know, only six minutes apart or something. And I think with my midwife, we kind of said every three minutes apart. That's kind of when we would start heading into the hospital, considering we have an hour and 15 minute drive mm. ahead of us. And then I messaged my midwife, I'm like, here, this is, you know, screenshotted her, my contraction times. And, and I'm like, I'm, th- I'm thinking we're slowly got, kind of starting to get ready. You know, she's like, yeah, that sounds good. Um, and then at two, oh, I don't know when it was maybe at three, I think it was around three or just before three, I suddenly knew we had to go. Like my contractions were still like four, five, six minutes apart, but there was this thing. I'm like, we need to go right now. And, um, so I texted my midwife. I'm like, we're going now. <laughs> She's like, okay, okay, I'm coming, you know. Um, and so I had like, I, we put a tarp down because my waters, nothing had like my waters weren't broken yet. So we put a tarp down into the, like the back seat of my husband's dual cap work ute, like this painter's <laughs> ute, like it's just not pretty, trust me. And I had like pillows and stuff. And I was like on all fours leaning over the car seat we had installed. Um, and I was like, and then things started ramping up and it was an interesting car ride. I was swearing a lot. I was freaking out. I was doing all the things. I was just like looking at the phone, like at the GPS and like how many minutes are left. And I, and I, I would, I, I think I probably had contractions then every two minutes, I think, because mm. that's certainly how it felt like. And it was getting really intense pressure. Uh, and then I was freaking out. I was like, I don't want to have a freaking child in my car. And my, husband, <laughs> my husband thought I was a bit over the top because none of you, you know, none of us never, we never experienced like yeah. that before. Yeah. We never knew. And he just thought I was getting into my like stressed out anxiety state. And he's like, just do your breathing. Just, you know, <laughs> calm down. Just do your breathing. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm going to kill someone. You know, uh, like, and it was getting, and so I said to him, you need to call them. I cannot walk up to the birthing. They need to bring a wheelchair down. And, you know, for, for them, like from the midwife's perspective, I called them at like, you know, just before we left and I was still talking to them quite calmly and fine. And so, and then next minute, half an hour later, we're bringing them on our way and we're like, she can't like walk to the, you know, and, and they're like, oh, oh, okay. She, they thought I was overreacting as well. <laughs> a bit you know kind of that how they kind of they're like oh she needs a wheelchair really you know I'm like yeah I'm not walking and it's like and so when when I when we arrived they like waited for us outside and we came and and so my husband parked the car and I went up to the Burton suite with the midwives and I'm, I'm like I just have so much pressure I just have so much pressure I can't like you know they're like it's okay it's okay and so my birth plan was like strictly no vaginal exams um I didn't want to have that and so there was, you know, for them, there was no way of, I guess, uh, uh, assessing me except just observing. Um, and so I had consented to a ultrasound quickly because obviously we had a breech baby and it's common practice for them to check the position um, and just in case. And he was still head down. Um, but in saying, they're like, he's so low, we can barely see anything. I'm like, yes, I know. I can feel that he's very low. Yeah. Um and I had a cannula put in because that's what I also consented to, um, but I didn't consent to continuous monitoring, so that was only intermittent Doppler. Um, and so I was like, 
my husband, so bless him, he's such a good guy, but he was like, you know, setting up the best space because I had all these affirmation cards and, you know, the fairy lights and the, you know, essential oils and all the things, you know, right? And I was just like kind of standing now, like I got up after they had done the ultrasound. I was just standing there and, I, I, you know, another contraction would come. And I was like, just get over here now. And he's like, but I thought I need to put light on you. And I'm like, get over here. And like push my, you know, the acupressure points that I taught, like we, we learned about in the, like the lower back points and things like that. This, you know, counter pressure to the sacrum. And um, we, um, so he did. And then suddenly like my waters broke. And just with this massive gush, you know, and thankfully, so my only, my, I was so worried that my waters would be green, like, or like, you know, meconium or something, because mm. I knew that, that, that potentially could derail my VBAC. Like, and I was like, just be clear, just be clear. And they're like, it's clear. And I'm like, yeah, yes, you know. <laughs> and so at that point of time, my, my midwife wasn't there yet because she actually lived two hours away from the hospital. And so she, um, so she was a bit late. And I then, so we, there was like around 4 a.m. we had arrived and around 20 past four, my waters broke. And then I suddenly started feeling the urge to push. And I was like, I think I need to push. And they're like, okay, how about we get your leggings off? You know, I was still fully dressed. Like it was just, um, and, and I really wanted to be in the shower. And so that I'm like, can I please go in the shower? And they're like, yeah, of course. And so we, you know, I had, um, to the two hospital midwives and they were amazing they're really beautiful and so my husband put the shower on all over and, and I was just reeling like started really making noises like all the grunts and groanings and feeling the pushing urge like it was uh, like I, I did express the uh, experience the fetal ejection mm. reflex like that that you know I I couldn't do anything that like, there was nothing I could have done to to make stop it stop he was just yeah. he was coming <laughs> yeah he was coming there's just nothing and then and so uh around 4 30 my midwife arrived and she was like rushing in because she could hear me through the corridor apparently <laughs> screaming my head off um and I was like it wasn't it was just really intense it felt like I don't think I got a lot of breaks in between contraction it was just like you know contraction after contraction um and I felt so I was on all fours and then I felt like I needed to move and and I but I couldn't quite figure out how or what position and so my midwife suggested to put one knee up so it was kind of like a side lunge type thing um and that felt right and then I felt like I needed to stand up and I was like can you please help me to stand up and they helped me and then um I, you know, started, he was like, started crowning and I felt the ring of fire. And I was like, I really, that was really ouchy. Like, <laughs> I just remember being like, ouch, ouch, ouch. You know, I was like, so, it was so intense. But then, like, he came out in like two pushes. Um, and, you know, I, I grabbed like my, one of the midwives caught, caught him because I was just, quite honestly, I was in a real, it was really overwhelming for me. And I, they're like take him take him I'm like of course yeah where's my baby kind of like you know I was just like oh my goodness what just happened and so he you know started like crying straight away and I was like you know it was like the most glorious feeling mm. I think of my life um to have this baby like and just like and he was he was born at 4 45 a.m in the morning so we arrived at four wow and like 45 minutes later he was out um and Lucky it was like you trusted your intuition to get in the car i know right we would yeah. have otherwise had a highway baby all yeah. the way to Caboolture. <laughs> um, and it's just like it was just like so amazing um because 
like yeah it was just like it, it was just so beautiful and it was you know undisturbed like I had no one and and not that I had any you know as I said I didn't have any trauma around my previous verse or anything but like there's just no one sticking you know their fingers inside my vagina there's enough like there's just this complete you know it was just I call it like my home birth like hospital birth mm-hmm. um, you know yeah I had a cannula in but oh what is a cannula like I don't care about that now mm-hmm. it was just such a really beautiful experience and it was a real like we 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 can see my husband and I now see how actually the bonding like we have a really different bond to my fourth child our fourth child to Johnny's and our son's a bit like rough not like we really love our kids don't get me wrong but it's really different like it's just different and I don't know why exactly but um maybe it was because we had three kids under 60 months it's a bit hard to to bond with twins when you have just you know like Mm. that like kind of you know but with with Johnny we have such a like stronger bond um and he he also was my like breast like breastfed for longest um, you know, we had a really, he did have a tongue and lip tie as well, but not really feeding issues around that. And he was a lot more settled. Um, you know, our postpartum was completely different compared to the others. He was a lot more settled. He slept more. We had a lot more support. The kids were older. It was just so much easier. Yeah. Um, so, and even, and, you know, I feel like that the pregnancy and birth actually really was bonding for us as a couple. Like it really actually had a massive positive effect on our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were like uh, kind of like a team on a mission kind of thing, you know, to have this wee back and we did it. And, and my husband was like my greatest supporter and it was like really amazing. That's so beautiful. And how was it then? Obviously like the kids are a little bit older, but how was it managing all four kids? Yeah, it was actually like, I had a lot more help then cause I was like, the kids went to school um, you know, where we had a lot of friends. And so one particular fr- friend, she always picked up uh, the kids. Oh, the twins actually, sorry, were at kindy. But my older, she was in prep, I think, or year one. Um, she, she, So my friend always picked up Emily to go to school and dropped her off. And so I only had to do kindy run five days a fortnight. Um, but it was just like we had so much more help. Like, mm. And my my in-laws took actually the older three kids Um for the first four days so we came home you know the the kids quickly met Johnny and then my my in-laws came and took the kids on a holiday for four days and it's like and it was like we had just that four or five days uh, all by ourselves at home to bond and just be you know I could just be in bed and rest and and you know I didn't have any uh, tearing or any sort of things I had minimal bleeding like I was just so well you know um had no issues breastfeeding like it was just so much easier to chuckle actually although you know I still had four kids but the just the fact that the kids were older and we had heaps more support from friends and family made such a massive difference Mm, that's so beautiful um so we will wrap it up but we I'll ask you a few questions before we go firstly obviously you are a doula now yourself can you tell us a little bit about that and the areas that you service and how uh, yeah so can connect with you if they'd like to reach out to you yeah so um I'm as I said I'm in Brisbane but I do service the areas like in Ipswich Logan and the northern Gold Coast um and all of Brisbane at the moment um I have this has I started being a doula officially with the elder I have been 
you know, kind of churning with mothers and uh, their families for the last few years since Johnny was born because that's just really uh, my passion and, um, you know, I just showed I just love showing mums and their partners that, you know, there is a better way than potentially, you know, just GP led care or, or whatever. Like that there is a way to continue to care. Um, I love working together with midwives, um, you know, providing that continuity of care to to women. Um and so I um obviously as a VBAC mum myself, I'm very keen on supporting mums on the VBAC journey. Um, but also um you know, twin mums and, and all the things, like basically, a, you know, a range of everything. Um, so you can get in contact with me on Instagram or Facebook under Nurtured by Josie. Um, and that's where I'm at the moment. On Instagram, I'm the most, so you can just find me there. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. And I will totally, um, like, tag you as a collaborator yeah. in this post yeah. so people can easily find you through um, the episode announcement but your all of your kids were um through hospital like public health so i'm assuming you don't have many cost for birthing but um did you pay for your last private midwife and how much was that yeah so for my private midwife all up it i think it it was almost around five thousand dollars which is um that is out of pocket so i did get some medicare rebates for that um but yeah that's you know i still had to pay a birth fee and all that although she was only my birth support mm. i still was and i'm completely willing to pay oh, honestly i would sell everything for a private midwife or a doula like i would like they're totally worth their money like yeah. it's um yeah <laughs> it's it's absolutely an investment that yeah. you should try to yeah. consider getting money for i would for sure be hiring a doula or something like that in my next one even um if i'm going through the public system definitely yeah um and if you could give one piece of advice to a mum who's about to embark on the motherhood journey what would it be um i mean i guess there's a few so if you're first time mum um you know get yourself a good support uh system in place maybe a doula or like you know go to an independent childbirth education sessions like hypnobirthing or calm birth or anything like that somewhere where you know if you are like like me maybe quite young and maybe don't have that much experience or even you're coming from a different country you know you're not born in australia and don't know the hospital systems in and out or all that stuff i'd definitely be like you know get yourself educated um get yourself someone that's cheering on like a doula or you know midwife or something um that is i think so much worth and otherwise if you are like you know have multiple children or even just a twin mama today get yourself as much as help as you can (laughs) (laughs) absolutely agree (laughs) and do you have a favorite product or purchase that you'd recommend um i did have well Quite honestly, I not really that much. However, I do. I what I can highly recommend to put your or invest in is like a membership, for example, to the Australian Breastfeeding Association, and their um, breastfeeding course they they offer that comes with that. Um, or in as a twin or multiple mama, the Multiple Birth Association. So that's what I put down as my you know uh, favorite purchases was those uh, you know memberships to those associations and the benefits that come with that. 
Yeah, that's awesome advice because yeah, no one's ever ever said that. And I actually don't really know anyone that's um had a membership with the Australian Breastfeeding Association. So yeah. it's good to hear feedback on that for sure. Yeah. Well, Josie, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It was absolutely beautiful to hear, and you are a superstar mum. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Oh, what an absolute weapon. Thanks so much, Josie, for taking the time to come on the show. It was awesome to hear your story. And as I said, I will make sure I tag Josie's collaborator over on the Instagram so you guys can connect with her in Southeast Queensland if you are looking for a doula. Thank you so much, Josie. And we are almost wrapping up season two So I've only got a couple of episodes left for the year. Send me a message about what you're liking, what you're not liking. What do you guys want to hear for next year? I'm going to start taking new applications for next year. So if you want to be on the show, head over to the website, www.themaidentomotherjourney.com and put through an application to come on the show. I want to hear from you and I want to hear what you guys want to hear. So always send me a message on Instagram, reach out. I always love chatting to you guys. So thanks, Josie, and I'll see you guys next time on the show. The information and opinions presented in this podcast are for educational and entertainment purposes only. While I may discuss pregnancy, birth and postpartum topics, I'm not a medical professional and the information provided should not be construed as medical advice. I strongly encourage my listeners to consult with their own healthcare provider before making any changes in your pregnancy and birth journey based on the information you hear on this podcast or elsewhere. Remember, the information provided in this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any health concerns or questions, please seek the guidance of a licensed medical professional. Thanks for listening. Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs and you're doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm.